Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Amen. So I have this belief about people, okay? And I realize it may not be 100%, but I'm almost to the belief that this is 100% of people, that we were created to want to be part of something that is bigger than us. I believe that there's something inside of us, a desire to be part of something important, part of something that lives beyond our life here. That, that there's something deep inside of us that says, I want something good for myself, but I also would love to be part of something that's not just good for me, but for all of us. In a world that tries to push us towards selfishness, to look, after, look out for number one, I think there's something pre-wired in us that says, I want more than that. There's something deep down that says, that's not enough. I actually believe when we get, the more self-centered we get, the more miserable we get. I find that the most miserable people in the world are people who haven't realized it, but they've gotten too self-involved and forgotten about something bigger. And this is kind of what we've been talking about, this idea in the last three weeks. We're in the third week talking about, talking about how God does a work in a world that is bigger than all of us. We're talking about the church. Like we're talking about this church, we're talking about us, but it's also way bigger than that. If you've been with us since the beginning of August when we started this conversation, we're looking through the book of Acts. We're looking through the book of Acts because we're looking for clarity. We're looking for clarity on how God starting, started doing a work in the world through the church. We're looking at how and why the church was created in the first place. And we're spending time talking about this because I want us to own and understand that this, all of this, is not by accident. Like, I want us to own on a deep level, specifically for our conversation, that One Hope Church is not here just by chance. And because of that, he doesn't want us to sit and just exist. He doesn't want us to, to just sit and just be but we're supposed to live intentionally building on the movement that started a couple thousand years ago. And this is a simple idea, a simple kind of concept, but I believe it can be powerfully culture-shaping when we own this idea that we aren't here just to exist. We aren't here just to be. That we are to intentionally build on what God started a couple thousand years ago. And I say it this way because I need us to understand that all of this is not about you and me. Do we get that? This church and other church are just, churches are just continuing what God has already done and is gonna continue to do. It's not about us. And this is why it's important for us to not follow our own direction, but follow his. Because this is his church. It's not about us. 
It's about what he already has done and is doing to rescue and redeem this world. This is why we're talking about the church for the month of August. Now, when we look at Acts chapter 1, we see that the church was born out of Jesus looking at his people and saying, hey, I'm leaving, but I want you to wait. I want you to wait because I got something awesome for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, but you're going to get the Holy Spirit. And, and if you remember, we've been talking about this, that what did they do? They, they lived in this obedience. They just waited. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait. Okay, we'll go to Jerusalem and wait. And what we see from the very beginning of the church is that the foundation to all of this, everything he's going to do in and through the people, is that they were people of obedience. And while they waited in obedience, they did the best thing they could ever do. If you go back and read chapter 1, if you've not been part of this, you'll see they, when, he goes back, when, when we go back and look, they did the best thing they could ever do, is while they waited, they found unity with each other, and they believed in the deep, power of prayer. And what happens is this act of obedience opened the door for the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit changed everything. It was in this moment that the people received something that was going to change their life forever. It was going to change the world forever. It was in this moment that when they received the power of the Holy Spirit, they were going to do more than they ever have and even what they have been doing with Jesus on this earth. So week one, I made a challenge for us. Could we be these people? Could One Hope Church be these people? That at the core of who we are, we are passionate about being, uh, living lives of obedience. And our desire is that we would live in unity with each other by believing and leaning into the power of prayer. And so I challenge you, will you spend this month? Will you spend extra time this month in prayer? Would you this month say, God, I will, I will pray for One Hope Church every week, that I will pray for this place. If you are part of this place, if you're looking for a place to be part of, that God could do the miraculous things that we see in Scripture, that we've seen throughout history, would you pray for this place every day that we would be obedient and that the move of God is something that is not normal, that is not ordinary, that is not natural, but is supernatural? And would we pray? Would we pray for God, how do you want me to be a part of that? And so if you're with us week one, I hope you've been praying with us and just praying through that every single day as we ask for more. But you know, in that moment, the story didn't end, right? The story doesn't end. That was Acts 1 in the very beginning of chapter 2. But the story didn't end because there was this day called Pentecost. Famous day. World-changing day. Statement day for God on this earth and in the church. What you see in Acts chapter 2 is that Peter, who wasn't always this way, but as the Holy Spirit invaded his life, that he's empowered by the Holy Spirit, he stood up in front of thousands of people and he declared the message of Jesus and who he was to him. Peter stands up and declares who Jesus is and what he wants to do. And that day, thousands of people accepted Jesus. 
gave their life to Jesus, took this story, took this person and said, I want to give my life to him. And they had a huge baptism party. That day they had a huge baptism party. And that day the church exploded from 120 people to thousands of people. And the church that day and has continued for the course of history has been passionate about sharing the story of who Jesus is and what he has come to do. And so last week, if you were here, we got to continue that story. I said that's what we're doing, right? We're continuing the story that happened a thousand, uh, thousands of years ago, that, that we were able to baptize seven uh, middle school and high school students. We were able to baptize seven and high school and middle school students who are declaring that they believe in Jesus and have given their life to Jesus. Last week, we got to continue the story because this is what we're doing. That's not about us. We're continuing what God has done, is doing, and will do. And so we got to be a part of it. And so the challenge last week was, will you use your life every day to passionately share the story of who Jesus is and what he has done in your life. But once again, the story didn't end, right? We're going to move on. We've got to continue this story in Acts, okay? We've got to continue the story of the church. We've got to continue the story of, of how God is just getting started with his people. Because the day of Pentecost now has come and it's gone, right? This huge, momentous, history-making day has come and gone. And they're no longer a small group of people. And this was an incredible day. But can I also tell you, this day caused a problem. This was an incredible day, but this day also had its problems because now they need to figure out how do we live as the church? Like, we've gone from 120 people to thousands of people. How do we live as a group of people? And this was a pivotal moment in the life of the church. This is a pivotal moment and an opportunity for these people to decide how should we live? They have to figure out how do they live as a group of people. And it was in this moment, what's really cool is we see that they're able to leave a blueprint of how the church should operate and we should take it really seriously. We should look in detail of what they did to see should we follow their example? And so this blueprint is found in Acts chapter 2, verses 42. So if you've got your Bibles, you don't have a Bible and you're in the room, there's one under your seat, feel free to take that. It's yours. We want to get the Bible in your hands. You have your phone or you can follow on the screen. But I want to show you the blueprint of how these early followers, after they had this huge day of Pentecost and people were coming to know Jesus, how did they live this out? Ready? Acts 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God 
and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Okay, so this is what we do here. If you're new here this morning, this is what we do here. We want to leave our seats in Tuscaloosa 2021, and we want to jump into the Scripture. we got to have minds to think about how the Scripture and who the Scripture was written to. So we got to leave our seats and jump in. What, what was it like to be these people when... Acts chapter 2, verse 42 is happening. What is it like to be these people after Pentecost had come and gone? Listen, the church is brand new. Being a follower of Jesus for all these people is brand new. The world around them is not happy about what's happening to these followers of Jesus. The Romans, they're against them. The Jews, they're against them. They're in the minority. Persecution is happening. People are actually being killed in this moment because they made the conversion to Christianity. This is the world. This is the life that Luke is writing about in Acts chapter 2. And so it was in this moment that they needed each other so badly. They needed to find a way to live in a world that didn't want them. But there was another problem. It wasn't just finding a way. It was how they were going to live. Because they didn't want to live the way the rest of the world lived. Jesus had just come. Jesus had set the example of there's a different way to live. They weren't supposed to live in the culture. They're supposed to set culture. They weren't supposed to fit into the way the world was. They were supposed to set a new culture for the world. But what's that going to look like? And so what we see in Acts chapter 2 is the answer. The answer to how they decided to live life, to, to grow the church and to be healthy and effective people personally. So, so what we got to do is look at their life and see, okay, what's this mean for us? So what we see is four things that, that made the church and life effective. And so the first one, you see the first one, right, was they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. The, this is what they decided how life needed to be lived. And so let's talk about these things. Why does it say that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching? Why was this something they had to do? Once again, let's look at their life. Let's find ourselves in their scene. These people had no idea what it meant to follow Jesus, right? Right? Like, think, we've we got to leave our seats and go to the... They'd heard the message of Jesus... They believed in Jesus, but as I say here so often, believing in Jesus and following Jesus aren't necessarily the same thing. Like you can believe in Jesus, but not live a Christ-following life, and so that's where they are. They needed to be discipled. But we've got to remember something. What don't they have in this moment? What don't they have that we have? The Bible don't have it. They don't have what we have. So at this point, they have nothing to point to as truth. 
They needed a, an, an authority of truth in their lives. So what did they do? They went to the temple courts, they sat and they met, and they listened to the people who had been with Jesus. This is their story. They listened to the people who had authority on how to live the life that Jesus had called them to. So the apostles were the authority and they submitted to this truth. So these large groups of people are sitting around and they're listening to these apostles teach them about life in Jesus. And what we've got to see is these people were passionate. This was no small thing. This was no small amount of time. So they're going every day to listen to this teaching because they wanted to find out, how do I live as a follower of Jesus? That's why they use the word devoted. Every day they came to learn more and more and more and more. They, just, they, they were soaking it up. They were eating it up. They just wanted more of this because they knew this was the key to life. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. But then Luke tells us that they also had fellowship. Now let's talk about this word fellowship, because I think their definition of fellowship and our definition of fellowship don't exactly go together, okay? We've got to understand what they're talking about with fellowship. When we talk about fellowship, we talk about like I'm going to a football game. I'm going over to someone's house. We're going out to eat. We're, kind of, we're just hanging out, right? Like this is our fellowship. This is not exactly what Luke meant. This is not exactly how they looked at fellowship. See, the word here you probably heard before if you haven't is koinonia, okay? Koinonia, that's the word for fellowship here. And their word for fellowship was way more intentional. It wasn't just a good hang, all right? Like it was like this was intentional. This fellowship was about being as one in a community. This fellowship was about carrying each other's burdens. This fellowship was about having each other's backs. This fellowship was not living as an individual, but as that strong community. This fellowship was about pushing back against the me and jumping into the we. They needed more than just a buddy. If we get their picture, they don't live in Tuscaloosa. They don't live in 2021. They don't live in a country that supports Christianity. They don't live, they're in, a, they're in these cities and people are against them. They don't need a buddy. They need someone to come walk through life with them. They need deep fellowship. This is what they need. Intentional and selfless community was a key for them making it through life. So they're devoted to the apostles' teaching. They're, they're devoted to, to fellowship with each other. But then he says, they broke bread. Now we got to look at this word, broke bread, because in this, there's kind of a scholarly debate. I'm not a scholar, I'm just Pastor Scott, right? So I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at what people are talking about, the breaking of bread. When, they, when Luke talks about the breaking of bread, is he talking about communion? Is he talking about breaking the bread of the bread and the wine, and they're taking it to remember what Jesus has done in their life, or is the breaking of bread them just getting together and eating? Is it just a meal together? Like I said, I'm just Pastor Scott here, right? I, I'm not a scholar, but here's my answer. 
I think the answer is yes. I think the answer is yes in this moment. When I think about their context of life, I think all of this is intertwined. I think what Luke is telling us is that they did life together remembering what life was all about. Listen, this was everything to them. When you leave something to join something else, when you leave a comfortable life where you're embraced and you go to a life where you're definitely not embraced, this means something. This wasn't just about I come on Sundays, I do the church thing, then I go to life. Or I have my Jesus time and then I go back to regular life. It's all intertwined. This was life. So they're in each other's homes, they're eating together, and there's an overarching truth where they help each other remember. I imagine there's lots and lots of conversations in the home about not forgetting what this is all about. I think they're reminding each other of what really matters, remembering who provides all things. I think there's an intentional a way of where they're, they're keeping Jesus and what he's done for them at the center of everything that they do. See, this world is tough that they live in, and in a world that didn't buy into Jesus as their Messiah, they needed to encourage or spur each other on to growing in Jesus. I think in these conversations there's accountability. I think in these conversations there's encouragement. I think in these conversations they're looking back and going, what did the apostles say in the temples? This was what's happening in their homes. Breaking of bread was about doing life together and helping each other remember who Jesus was, what he's done, and what he's called them to do. And then Luke brings the fourth thing. So we've got devotion to apostles' teaching. We've got to have this truth and authority. We've got, we've got to have um, the fellowship, which is deeper than just hanging out. They've got the breaking of bread and putting Jesus at the center of just living life together. And then we've got prayer. This is thematically continuing where we saw early on that prayer mattered to them. Once again, if you forget the world that they lived in, you don't realize how much prayer was needed for them. You will miss what really kind of was the foundation of who they are. They needed prayers for strength. They needed prayers for wisdom. They needed prayers for discernment. They needed prayers for insight of life. They needed prayers for direction. They needed prayers for his will to be done. Listen, these early followers believed in the mission that God had put them on. This was no small task. They're leaving everything to join this small group of people that they thought was going to change the world. And so they were praying that God's mission would win in the world, that God's movement would win in the world. They were praying that God would do what only he could do. Then they prayed, then they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. This, is, this was their life. And what I love to see is that this style of living, these choices, weren't done in vain. Do you see the fruit that came from this kind of life? You just have to continue down in reading. It, it says they were, they, there was unity with each other. There was a sacrificial lifestyle. And life changed by a world that was watching. Do, do you see this? That, that when they lived this way, there was a unity with each other that they didn't find before. 
There was a sacrificial kind of lifestyle that you didn't find many places. And there was life changed by a world that was watching. Let me read this again, verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Look at these words. All the believers were together and had everything in common. That's so abnormal. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. What sacrifice? Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Listen, the church was born the day of Pentecost, but the church did not stop that day. It was not just about one big moment and then life went on. God had big plans, and I think he still has big plans. That's why we're reading Acts and looking, saying, God, what do you want to do through our church? And we got to look back and see what he's already done. So I asked the question, like, what's this say to us? Okay, I did a review of the church. It's kind of like an education of let's look at the church, but it can't stop there. What about us? What does what they did say to us? Is there anything you can relate to in their lives? Like, I know cultures may be different. Churches may be different. But couldn't we be, couldn't we say that we are people who are called to live differently than what's around us? Couldn't we also say that we are people who don't fit in? Couldn't we also say that we are in desperate need of real relationships, real community, people that help us live to be a follower of Jesus? I know it was a couple thousand years ago, but can't we say that we're different, but we're also so many ways the same? Maybe we should look at them and say, what can we learn from how they lived? And can't we just say, maybe we need to follow how they live because we love the results that were we see. We love to see how God moved. We love to see the movement that began. And if we want to be part of that movement, we want to continue what's already done. If it's not about us, but it's what God was doing, then maybe we should say, okay, what should we do? How is this going to help us live the life that God has called us to as people, as his church? Well, listen, I still think today that we need to be Word of God-centered. I still think today that we need to be Word of God-centered. Listen, they were committed to the apostles' teaching, right? But today we have those words in our hands. You have a phone in your pocket probably every single day. You have the ability to carry around his words with you everywhere you go. And in order to live the life that God has called us to, to, called his church to, his people to, then we need to say really simply but really clear, his word matters more than anything. Those early followers realize when they've given their life to Jesus, then their thoughts don't matter as much as the thoughts of these apostles who had been with Jesus. Is there something in us that needs to be transformed? Is there something in us the Holy Spirit has to come in and be like, what we think doesn't matter as much as the Word of God being the authority in our lives? It's why on Sundays when we're together, 
Scripture needs to set the pace for all of our conversations. You know what we don't need? Is another self-help, motivated, inspired conversation in our lives. Those have their place, but we don't need another self-help conversation when we have God's authority as our guide. But it's also why Sunday mornings can't be the only time that we're getting into Scripture. Hear me. If the disciples came day after day after day, I'm not asking you to come here every day and let's talk about it. We have the Word in our hands. And they went every day, every day, every day. Why? Because they knew the importance of Scripture and they're just soaking it in. Give me more. Give me more. Sometimes we have such access to it that we forget the power in it. Sometimes it becomes so normal that we forget the power in it. They soaked it up every day and we've got it in our hands, but how are we doing about soaking that in every day? If it's really the most powerful thing, the most important thing in our lives. This can't be a Sunday thing. It has to be an everyday thing. This is why, look, I remind remind you, this is why we wrote these and developed these becoming books that are both welcome centers. Every day, any any day you can grab one to help us walk through scripture with the filter of, of God. What do you want to teach me and how do you want to help me become more like you every day? Because we believe that scripture changed our lives. This is how they lived. They devoted their lives to the apostles' teaching, and I think we should too, because the Word of God gives life, it gives freedom, it gives wisdom. They were Word of God devoted. Maybe we should follow that example. But that's not the only thing, is I think that we need to be a church, need to be a people, we need to look out for others. Okay, so Paul, we'll talk about him in a couple weeks, I believe, Paul is going to plant some churches. And at its, as its core, he buys into this concept that he sees in the early church. In Philippians 2, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So Paul's planting churches, and he's saying, you know what our core needs to be? You know what our foundation needs to be? You know what we got to buy into if we're going to be effective as a church, that we need to, in humility, look out for other people. We need to put other people first. Because I believe when the church operates in humility and selflessness, there's nothing like it in the world. When we have each other's backs, when we're not gossiping around each other to cut people's legs out from underneath them, we're not, when we're not trying to gather people to have our thoughts and we create division in places, when we decide we're not going to attack people, instead build people up and encourage people before people, believe in people, there's no greater fellowship in the world than that. Listen, when we forsake our needs for the needs of others, this place is powerful. The church is powerful. I actually think this is the secret sauce of the early church, kind of the secret ingredient to the early church, because this kind of church attracts other people, doesn't it? 
People are drawn to something different where people actually care about each other. You don't see, hear the talkings around. You don't hear people just cutting. We are constantly building each other up. We're constantly investing in other people. We're constantly giving ourselves away. We're consistently being a we place, not a me place. It's powerful. When the Holy Spirit truly changes our lives, we will be about other people more than ourselves. It's just what happens. And so I want to be those people. And could we be people who say, I want to live life by going, how are you? What can I do for you? How are you feeling? Are you struggling? Do I need to come beside you? Do I need to lift you up? Are you hurting in this moment and you need someone to have your back? Do you need more than a buddy? You need someone to truly invest in you. What if we were those people? And then the third thing we see, and just like them, is we need to be we need to help each other remember what life is about. We need to be a place that follows their example, that helps each other remember what life is about. Remember, these people met in a large group. They're in the temple courts. They were learning. But you also see that they met in small groups. In these smaller groups in their homes, I believe to help, help them remember how to live lives worthy of the calling that Jesus had on them. So in our setting, we follow that example. We have smaller groups. This is why we believe living isolated lives is really hard. We need no other example stronger than when we've been the last year and a half, right? When we were pushed to being more isolated, we experienced the effects on it. I think there are still lasting effects on us because of this, because isolation hurts us. Um, something I've shared in a video, um, but I haven't said from stage, is, is, is this is why, actually, we've gone from one service to two. During COVID, this has really been helpful because room is needed and people feeling safe and people having different thoughts and stuff. But long term, this is why we went to two services. It's something we haven't done here for 20 years. We've been a one-service church in our history. We've had plenty of multiple services, but went to two services because you know what? Sunday morning is the least competitive day of most people's weeks. As I talk to families, they're like, life is so crazy, but I've got Sunday mornings. And so we began to think about it in the least competitive day of the week. How do we help people get into relationships? How do we take advantage of this chunk of time where people have, where they can not only, where they not only can worship together, but they can be in relationships together. And we looked around and we're like, God's blessed us with this building. And if we do two services, we can do twice the groups. If we do two services, we can have twice the relationships. If we have two services, we have this block from 9 o'clock to 11.45, 12 o'clock, where people can not only worship together, but they can be in this small groups environment together. 
It's this, it's this way that we can follow the early church where they met in the temple courts and, and, and got into the word, but then they were in each other's homes and they could break bread together. They could be in fellowship together. They can be in groups together. Listen, I know your life is crazy. My life is crazy. It's hard to give sometimes another night of the week. We can have small groups any night of the week. This church is open. This church is yours. Any night of the week, this place is able to be used. You can open your homes, have groups in there. I want that to happen, but I also know that more and more life is getting crazy. More and more sports, hobbies, dance, school stuff, they're not protecting nights of the week. It's hard with childcare. There's just so many things, and God has blessed us with this place, and we're like, we need to be in relationships with each other, and so that's why people need to step up and say, hey, I'll lead a group. It's why people need to say, hey, I've got a Sunday morning chunk of time. I will find a group to be connected with. I want to tell you long term, the just simple dream that I have is that we come to this place on Sunday morning and it is filled with people in groups. That when people are worshiping in here, there are groups going on. When, when, when you guys are here, you can go into groups when you leave and then people are in here worshiping because we need each other. We need to go through life together. We need to be reminded what life is about. We need to not live isolated lives, but but lives where we're in each other. And and life is not easy to do that right now, but that doesn't mean that we're going to give up. That doesn't mean we just fold and say, okay, I don't have time. We adapt. We say, If relationships are important, we'll do whatever it takes so people can do life together and remind each other what life is really about. And the last thing is is that we need to believe in the power of prayer just like they did. Now, I'm not going to belabor this point because we've already talked about it. But I want to simply say this morning, and hear me this, uh, a praying church is a powerful church. And a church and a people that neglects prayer are missing out on a power that's stronger than you. And last week I said, I don't want to be part of a man-made church. I want to be part of a a Holy Spirit-empowered church. But without prayer, this is impossible to be a reality. A praying church is a powerful church. And we need to be that church. And so I look at the early church and I say, okay, we need to follow their example. But I also see the fruit of that early church and I say, if we can be this kind of church, if we walk down this road and we're saying we want to be committed to what they were committed to, then I think the fruit is going to be the same. That I think we are going to be unified in mission. Now understand, when I say unified in mission, I don't mean we all think alike. I don't mean that we all have the same thoughts and beliefs, that we don't even have to agree all the time. But unified in mission says we want what Jesus wants and we're going after this together. If we go down this road of living like the church did in the early church, then we will be willing to take care of each other. This room is filled with people of stories of how you stepped up in each other's lives. People had financial burdens and people stepped in. People were hurting and people stepped in. People were struggling, like, let's go to lunch together. Hey, let me come over, let's pray together. Hey, let me invest in your life. 
This church has story after story after story. It's one of my favorite things about this place, where it's like we are willing to take care of each other because that's what a church does. I think when we go down this road and the Holy Spirit changes us, we will be willing to experience that again. We will experience God's move that way. You will have opportunities to give yourself away. You will be people who are about we more than me. And then the third thing, third thing is that we will be an attractive place to a world that is watching. Attractive to a world looking for hope. Because I think a world is looking for people to care about them. I think a world is looking for a place that find refuge in their chaos. I think people are looking for a place that finds hope. And the church can be really valuable in people's lives. We see when the church responded the way God called them to, people are added to their number every day because there's nothing like it in the world. Listen, if we follow the example of the earlier church, it doesn't matter how we look. Is at the foundation of who we are. There will be a move of the Holy Spirit. And God will be able to continue to do what was started a couple thousand years ago. We will experience life change. We will experience the miraculous. We will experience something that is only God-driven. And essentially what this series is, is I want to be that church. I want to feel this fresh move of the Holy Spirit that changes people's lives. But we have to do things God's way. If you remember back in, verse, in, 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 in Acts 2, it said, and they were astounded every day about what was happening. And I tell you that I want to be that place. But we have to have a different culture than we see around us. We have to decide that this is a place that follows the direction of the Holy Spirit. This is a place that says we want to look at Scripture and say let's do it that way. And so the invitation today, the challenge today, is simply can we operate as a church the way we see it started a couple thousand years ago so we can continue the Holy Spirit move that God did then, wants to do now, and wants to do in the future. Can we pray? God, thank you. God, thank you that you did a work. Thank you, God, that you're still doing a work. God, thank you that we get to be part of what you have done and what you are doing. But God, I pray for our church, God, that we would be submissive to you, that we would look in the scripture and we'd say, God, we want to be word of God centered. We want to have deep community, God. We want to have deep community that cares about each other, that builds each other up. God, we want to be a place that we remind each other what life's about, that we hold each other accountable, that we spur each other on, God, that we push each other to become more like you every day. And God, that we're a place that just believes in the power of prayer. I got, but God, I believe when that happens, your Holy Spirit can move because you're the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And your spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so God, I just ask that on our church. 
And so God, once again, I just give you this place and say it's yours. Do what only you can do. It's your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.